This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. Uh, today we're talking about building your life on a strong foundation. And I, I really want us to spend a lot of time just talking about the foundation. Because people will be here today from around the country and and here in our community, and maybe they're experiencing a great crash. And the storms of life have hit them, their life's falling apart, and they just want to get through this storm. And when they get through this storm, then, you know, they'll, they'll begin rebuilding back their life. But we've seen that time and time again, too many people rebuild their life on the exact same foundation that got them in the mess in the first place. And today we want to talk about no longer allowing your life to be built on a weak foundation, or as the scripture is going to call it, sand, but that we would build it upon the rock. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to look at this great parable that Jesus ends the sermon with. He ends by talking about a wise builder and a foolish builder. And our desire for every single one in here across the campus and online is that we would be wise builders, thinking about our foundation. One of the reasons uh, we uh, focus on marriage and family so much at this church is because we want marriages and families to have strong foundations, not just for your family, but for the children you're sending out of your home one day to build their own life and start their own life. We want to send our kids out with a strong foundation. A solid foundation. It's why we put so much into children's ministries and family ministries here. We want our kids going off to college, right? When they go to college, they're going to begin building a life. They hit all these milestones. We want them to have a solid, strong foundation. One of the reasons uh, Earl and Sherry pour so much into ready to wed here at this church is because when a young couple meets and they have that young budding love, does anybody know what I'm talking about? And they begin thinking about building a life together. All ready to wed is doing is making sure, hey, before you walk down the aisle, we want you to have a solid, strong foundation. Know what you're building your marriage and your life on. I love to tell the young guys, you know, before you just check out her, check out her foundation. Before you check him out, check out his foundation. That's what we call dating and engagement. You want to know the foundation. And here's what we know. Three things true as we jump into this great text. Everyone here, every single person watching here on campus, you're building your life on something. So I want you to start by just asking the question, what am I building my life on? I've been working hard my whole life, Ted, and I want to make money. And I make money, I've made a lot of money, I've lost a lot of money. Well, hopefully you're not building on the foundation of your possessions or your stuff. Some of you like to make a name for yourself, and you're building your life on the foundation of your name. We read in Ecclesiastes that after you're dead, your name will soon be forgotten. It's not a good foundation. Some of you are going to build it on the power you get or the prestige you get from a job or a career. And all of the career stuff and earning money, all of that's part of life, but we don't want it to be the foundation. So what are you building your life on? And here's what we also know to be true. We're going to see everyone goes through storms in life. Have you ever been around someone experiencing a great crash and they look at other people and they say these words, no one understands what I'm going through. The Hebrew for that is, ha! 
Not true. It's not true. We have to be, they may not be going through the storm you're going through right now, but you don't know that they haven't been through that. Sickness has hit their family like it's hitting your family. Difficult financial times hits their family like it's hitting your family. Marriage struggles hit their family like it's hitting your family. When, when life begins to get a little shaky for you, be very careful that you don't look around and be like, I'm the only one that's ever been through this. That's why we believe in groups here. We believe in biblical community. Biblical community is good. You want to go be with other believers because you think your life's falling apart. You go to a small group, you get out in the car afterwards, and you're like, wow, at least we're not as jacked up as all those other people going on in there. That's called biblical community. Why? Because they're going through storms, and if they're not, they've been through a storm, and if they're not, they're getting ready to head into one. Everybody goes through storms, and here's the last part, three. I don't get to choose everything that happens to me in life. I get to choose a lot, but not everything. The good news about the text we're going to see today, I do get to 100% choose my foundation and what I'm going to build my life on. Let's jump into this great text, Matthew chapter 7. This is the end of the sermon. A great parable, great story, short story. And you're going to see three things true about each builder and one thing that separates them. So just get this one thing down today. That's the difference between a wise builder and a foolish builder. Jesus says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall. It was built on the right foundation because it had a foundation on the rock. Verse 26, the last two verses of this story. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, there's the difference. The three things true about each builder, both are building... Both are going to go through the exact same storms. And then this is key. Both hear the word of God. Both build, both going through storms and both hear the word of God. What's the difference? One puts them into practice and one does not. One follows the words and teachings of Jesus and makes it part of their life. Their life. One does not. One experiences a great crash. The other stands strong. Again, it's, we're all building a life. The question for us today is, what are we building it on? Does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down. Look at the same storm. The rains came down. The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. I think that's the hardest part about watching someone's life crash. Is once it crashes... And they, get, they begin to maybe level out emotionally and they begin to move on in life. They begin rebuilding and then they're rebuilding on the exact same foundation that caused the great crash. It's not about the storm that's hitting you. It's about what is your house built on? What is your life built on? I got to thinking about the wise and the foolish builders this week. And I thought about, first of all, the seasoned believers in our church. Uh, most of them go to the 830. Uh, that's our senior adult service. They've watched Fox news for three hours and then they're here by eight. There a lot. Most of them are here by eight and we have to remind them we don't start till eight 30, but they're here and packed in the place. Have you been around a seasoned believer? Someone whose life is built upon a rock. The storms hit the health scare, uh, the diagnosis, the 
the crash in the market, uh, this thing called a pandemic. Isn't that interesting? The pandemic was a storm that hit all of us. Same storm hit all. Why did some stand strong and others not? I talk to pastors all the time now. I talk to a lot of people who are just done. Pastors thinking about leaving ministry because of the last year. And I'm just grateful that, and, and we saw it. It's like, I'm grateful for a church with a strong foundation. And that we're not built upon committees Oh, I I never want this church to be built upon a personality. Listen, a church built on a personality is heading for a great crash. It is. We see it all the time in churches around the country. I don't understand churches that build on a personality and then something happens to that personality. You had the wrong foundation. We all went through the same storm. Why did some churches stay strong and some crash? You have seasoned believers when the storm hits, they're steady and they're secure. But then the new believer, when the storm hits, they're surprised. They're shaken. Katie and I, we changed this slide today because when I read it last night, and you know, putting those together and you have a heart behind what you're putting together and then you read it like Saturday night again and you're like, well, that was very condescending uh, the way I was going to say that because I had up here immature believers and I had the word soft and I'm like, I was getting ready to go, backbone, spine, all that stuff. Like, okay, we need to bring it down a notch. And try to encourage people uh, in their walk with the Lord. I was really like going after you weaklings. Like, no, I don't. That's not the heart behind this message at all. But you've been around new believers that when the same storm, it's the same storm. Steady, secure, new believers surprise. I, I, I came up with it in the 830 because I, I was singing it while we were singing another song. And you can sing it with me if you want. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. We could spend all morning talking about the different types of sinking sand, but we don't need to get into all that because there's only one rock and that is Jesus. Everything else sinking, anything else you can come up with. Is this a good thing to build my life on? No, sinking sand, bad. Well, what about this? Nope, Ah, wrong, bad foundation. You will crash. That will take you toward a terrible crash. And here's what we know about storms. Storms reveal our foundations. I, I've seen the pictures. I Googled it this week, bad foundation, because we, we have a little bit of a foundation issue. My daughter's door in her bedroom works about, I don't know, a couple of seasons a year. And, and big crack, like off her door, it goes all the way up. And I don't need foundation repair experts coming up to me after this service because we've decided to live with it. We have trimmed that door so much. There's a gap at the top like that and a gap at the bottom. It's, it's becoming one of those swinging bar doors. Uh, <laughs> all right, so we, and I forget what season it is. Right now our door closed, so it works in the summer. But come winter, something happens, the limestone changes, and that door ain't, we're not doing nothing with it. And, I, 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 and we got windows. How many of you got doors and windows that don't work? Am I the only one in the Ozarks that 
you all are the least supportive church people I've been around in a long time. I know you have doors and windows, but we, listen, it's, it's crazy to think about how much time I have spent fixing that crack. I have, I don't know where all the mud's gone. I have bought, you know, those little patch kit things. I've had 10 of those on her wall and it's not any thicker. I have no idea where it goes. It's not going back in the crack and down the wall. If I don't want to patch anymore, I could fix the foundation. If I, if I wanted my doors and windows to work all four seasons, I could go to work on my foundation. And I just think, uh, you've seen it, uh, if you Google this, you'll see pictures, uh, you know, houses built on the beach, and a storm comes in, and there's the foundation, you see the foundation, and you see one side of it, like, broken off like this. Those people would be crazy to go back and build on that foundation. They got foundation work to do. And I'm convinced over the last year, all the storms did, all this pandemic did, was cause us to take a serious look at the foundation. There were marriages that had strong foundations. Churches that had strong foundations. You can take this even into the community. Businesses that had strong foundations. Schools that had strong foundations. But then we saw this other side. People like, oh, well, look what's happening. It was a weak foundation. See, you didn't crash. If you've experienced a crash or you're experiencing a crash right now, you didn't crash because of the storms that hit you. That's not what Jesus is teaching. Because the storms hit both the wise and the foolish. Right? You crash because you had a weak foundation. And if I could just encourage you, don't wait for a storm to work on your foundation. Now's the time. Start right now. If you've recently experienced one, maybe you're not going through one right now, a great crash, work on your foundation before rebuilding. Before rebuilding your life. And so how do you do that? I think what Jesus is saying here, put into practice the words that you have heard. And that's where all of us are at today. Every single person in here, across the campus and online, has heard the words of Jesus. Now, you are required to respond. And the response is your decision. You choose. You decide what you're going to do with Jesus. You decide what you're going to do with his words and with his teaching. And I think there's like five things. It could be more. There's just five things people do after they hear the word of God. We see it all the time. I know there are a lot of churches that know it because they've learned it. They can, they can regurgitate the words of Jesus. But are they, are they doing something with it? Are they putting into practice what Jesus taught? There's another group that they hear the word of God, they debate it. We call that seminary. <laughs> and it's honestly why seminary wore me out. It really did. Because we want to debate, debate, debate. And, I'm, and you probably get this from 20 years if you've been here for any like that, 20 years. Let's just find out what he says, what it says, and do this crazy thing called do it. Just do it. Well, what does he really mean? Do it. Do your original language search and do the study, do all of that. But when he says, love your enemies, just do it. That's all I'm like, well, how do I know? Just find someone you hate. (laughs) And go love them. Is it that difficult? Why do we make it so painfully difficult? Love Love your neighbor. Go love your neighbor. What does that mean? Love neighbor. Find someone close to you, in proximity to you, that doesn't look like you talk. Just find somebody. 
random stranger on the street and then love them. Well, what does love mean? Just love them and shut up. I'm like a parent mad at his kids right now. I said, do what you're told. But just let's, let's take the words. When you read the Sermon on the Mount alone, right? Don't have hate in your heart. You've heard you shouldn't murder. Yeah, and you're patting yourself on the back. But if you hate your brother, so stop hating your brother. Love your brother. And then we got another one. Change it. People want to read it and they're like, well, that's not what it really means. And I love the pastor uh, that I came to ministry under, James Merritt, out of Atlanta. I love what he says. Listen, God is not going to change his word to fit your generation's wants and needs. He's not going to do it. So we need to stop reading it and go, yeah, but I haven't experienced it that way. I'm not feeling it. Listen and do it. <laughs> that was one of those sinister laughs with them. <laughs> I love it. I, anyway, are you Treasure Lake that you didn't get one of the special seats up here? Okay, change it. How about next one? Deny it. Now we know that. Uh, but again, these are all decisions you make because Jesus said what? Both heard. Both heard the words. And now they have to choose what they're going to do with it. Remember when Paul stood before the men of Athens and he preached the gospel? He stood in this city that was full of idols. They even had an idol that was to an unknown God. And he stands up and declares Jesus Christ risen from the dead and says what? In him we live and move and have our being. He had three responses to that gospel presentation. People sneered at him. They mocked it. Like, oh, we're not buying this whole resurrection from the dead thing. Others listened and said, we want to hear more. So there's what we would call a seeker. But there was a third group that followed that day. And when you think about those three responses, it's kind of the same what we learn in this text today. They all heard. They all heard and had a decision to make. And some of you will hear the word of God today. Jesus is proclaimed to you today and you will deny it. But what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, live it. You get to choose your foundation. You get to choose what you build your life upon. And here's the the key for the text, because it's the difference between the wise and the foolish builders. Put them into practice. Do something with it. Your foundation is determined by what you do with the word of God, not by what you know about the word of God. Are you living it? Are you living it out in your life? Last week, uh, I've been very blessed the last uh, month or so with, with our speakers that have been coming in. And Alex Hamaya ministered deeply uh, to this congregation last week. And as he was preaching, he, if you haven't gone back, go back and watch Alex's message. He gave an entire series uh, in one message. And he was pretty passionate. He was flying through. I go, you know, we can invite you back for another Sunday. Uh, But as he was preaching, the sacred echo for me in his mouth, I just love the be ready, be ready, be ready, be ready. There's a war. There's a battle that's raging. We have to be ready for this battle. My mind kept going back to Ephesians. After Paul's central teaching in the New Testament on marriage and family, we are told to put on the armor of God. Why? Because when you take a stand for God, when you begin to live your life, putting into practice the words and teachings of Jesus, you are on Satan's radar. 
and he is going to attack. And after, and, and by the way, if you're now doing this from a generational perspective that I don't want to just live my life for, I want my kids to live their lives for Jesus. And so I want them to leave my home with a foundation that's built, building their life upon the rock. And when you start getting serious about your marriage and your family, watch out. That's why Paul says what? Put on the full armor of God. Watch what we read in Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 13. I don't have time this morning to to go through all of the the pieces of the armor. But finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, meaning we're not going into battle on our strength. We're going in in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's evil schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now watch this. It's very important that we don't mix this passage up. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes... Now, did you get that? It didn't say when the day of evil comes, get your armor on. No. And this is why I kept, you kept getting this from Alex's message last week. Be ready. Be ready. This armor should be on now. This armor should be on now because guess what? The day of evil is coming. And that's a terrible time to wait. That's what we're saying about foundation Don't wait for the storms. Work on your foundation now. One of the things we're really ramping up with discipleship moving into the fall is our foundational classes that you can go through to make sure your foundation is solid and strong and ready that when the storms hit you, you can be that seasoned believer who weathers it. You're secure and you're steady in the storm. Be ready. The day of evil is coming. You may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. This September marks 20 years since 9-11. And uh, I've spent a lot of time over the years talking to my kids about this day. Amy and I remember everything about that day, where we were, who we ministered to, uh, all that was taking place. And the bottom line is this. As a nation, we were not ready for that. We weren't prepared. If you get a chance to watch, I don't know what channel it's on. I've watched it I don't know how many times. It's very emotional for me to watch. Uh, but they do an interview with George W. Bush and they just walk through the day from his perspective and he walks through all of the events of that day and you'll see how our country was not prepared. It drove President Bush nuts because, you know, they were in and out. I mean, here's a president of the United States needing to make decisions, not having the information that he needed. And the 9-11 commission report, I, I, I read through that years ago. I'll share some of it with you. It says, we, we learned about an enemy who is sophisticated, patient, disciplined, and lethal. And when I read that, I think Satan is sophisticated, patient, disciplined, and lethal. That's why the armor needs to be on at all times. The enemy rallies broad support in Arab and Muslim world by demanding redress of political grievances. But its hostility toward us and our values is limitless. Its purpose is to rid the world of religious and political pluralism and equal rights for women. It makes no distinction between military and civilian targets. Collateral damage is not in its lexicon. We learn that the institutions charged with protecting our borders, civil aviation, and national security did not understand how grave this threat could be and did not adjust their policies, plans, and practices to deter or defeat it. We are dealing with a new type of enemy. But as Alex talked about last week, different face, same enemy. 
The test before us is to sustain the unity of purpose and meet the challenges now confronting us. We need to design a balanced strategy for the long haul to attack terrorists and prevent their ranks from swelling while at the same time protecting our country against future attacks. And when I think about readiness in our families and I think about readiness in our church, I think about it often when I go to the airport. You've been to an airport in the last 20 years and you know we deal with this thing called the TSA. And a lot of times, yeah, I get impatient with long lines like anybody does, but I, I just don't see the attitude toward it because, yes, sometimes it looks like overkill to have five people checking through the gates with 12 TSA agents. But I can tell you this, even from our little airport in Springfield, SGF, we're ready. We're ready. I mean, and you're like, well, it's overkill. No, it's just we're prepared to not let something like 9-11 happen again. And I told, I joked about it a couple of weeks ago, but serious, the, the whole, you know, being on a plane ready for action at any moment. And when that pilot called the, the able-bodied men forward to take out a threat, and I said, I've been waiting for that moment, you know, my whole life. And uh, I got an opportunity to come back from LaGuardia this week. Uh, uh, we were sitting up front and the stewardess came and I heard the flight attendant say, there's a fight in the back. I looked at Amy and I go, this is it. <laughs> this is it. I love you. And uh, I'm going to take care of business. They pulled the plane back in, opened the gate, security came on. I mean, it's, it's pretty rough out there these days. And then I found out it was two moms fighting. And uh, I thought, oh, the congregation really won't respect that if I go breaking up two moms fighting. Or let alone they take me out. That'd really be, that'd really be embarrassing. But when I think about foundations, I think about that readiness Alex talked about last week. Are we ready? Are you ready? Are you prepared? Because some of you just got out of a storm. Your life crashed. And this, this, this just comes from the heart of a pastor who loves you. You're headed for another crash. Because I know you're headed for another storm. The reason I know you're going to head for another crash is because you're building your life on the same foundation that brought the last crash. So... It, there's a lot, like, I'm grateful. One of the reasons this church, I've been to a lot of churches that built the church on the foundation of tradition. Tradition can be part of the church, but it's not our foundation. Jesus was very clear about that in the scripture. Don't let that be your foundation. Uh, let emotions, right, be part of your life. But don't let your emotions be part of the foundation. As Ryan Pinnell says, emotions are like our children. We listen to them, we care for them, but we do not allow them to make major decisions for our family terrible foundation don't let your emotions be your foundation also don't let your experiences be your foundation i see it all the time you know i've read this in god's word but that's not what happened in my life so i'm not gonna or i have a family member who's choosing to live life a different way and to validate and support that family member i can't listen to god's word on this particular and it's like no 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 experiences are what make up life we all have experiences but i am not going to build my life on my experiences or your experiences your experiences are not my authority i can learn from your experiences i can grow from your experiences i can build pieces of my life off of your experiences but they'll never be my foundation and since it's fourth of july let's go where angels dare to trod be passionate about your political party's platform but don't build your life on it Be passionate about your political party's platform, but don't build your life on it, Rhonda. Say amen right now. Be involved in government. Get passionate about elections. That's great. But I'm just telling you as your pastor, 
Do not build your life on a political party. Please. Don't do it. You know why? <laughs> like he is terrible. This is a horrible message. No, listen. If you build your life on a political party, you're headed for a great crash. You are. Like can 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 my can my foundation then be God and country? No. Your country can be part of your life, but it's not part of my foundation. Why? Because if it's not Jesus, everything else is sinking sand. Everything. Everything. Jesus Christ, and then my emotions, my experience, what I'm passionate about in this country, that's all part of life. But some of you have ever been experiencing an emotional, spiritual crash over the last six months because you added something to your foundation that doesn't belong there. Jesus Christ is the foundation. Everything else sinking sand. If you've recently been through a divorce, work on your foundation before building a life with someone new. The Lord has been working on me in this area because my passion is for marriage. I, I spend a lot of time thinking about marriage and how to help people in their marriages. And one of the areas that I've struggled with over the last 20 years, and I know that God is doing something in my life and, and in the life of this church. And I talked to many people after the first service about this. It's, there's this tension we live with in this church. And the tension is we want to help couples in crisis. RG and Karen Yalley and then dozens of, of marriage 911 mentors are constantly helping people in crisis and couples in crisis wanting to save their marriage. And so that's our passion. We want to keep fighting for marriage. But we also realize that some marriages end in divorce. And the problem is that tension is we, we don't want to help someone go through a divorce because it looks like we're not honoring marriage. And we've got to live with that tension. I don't think that tension's going anywhere. But I will tell you what does need to change. What needs to change is this church, starting with me, needs to be there for people during the darkest seasons of their lives. We need to be there when someone is going through a difficult season because here's... And again, I, I have friends all over the country and all they do is marriage and family. I was texting them this week going, you know what? We have marriage crisis counseling. We have that going on at the church. We have divorce care at our church. What do we have in between? What do we have in the gap? Because what we say is, okay, if, if your marriage can't be saved and you're getting a divorce, we have divorce care that can help you heal from that. And then the church, and I, it's not intentional. It is not intentional at all. The church is absent between the two. And I, I think, if I can just speak for myself, I think it's ignorance, and I think it's not knowing the next step to take. But yet I do know that I want to be there, this church wants to be there through these very dark and painful seasons. For a couple. I don't know what that looks like. But we can't abandon people, even if it's out of an ignorance, when they go through difficult seasons. But I will tell you, as you go through, and I say it often to a couple, when I've been in the room, when I see the marriage end and the marriage dissolved and there is no moving forward, there's going to be no reconciliation, I usually lead out with the, would you both promise me that neither one of you will start dating anyone anytime soon? We got foundation work that needs to be done. And don't go rebuilding your life with someone new. 
until we take a look at that foundation and begin building back that foundation. If I can just say, if you found your way back to church during a storm, would you stay put and work on your foundation? If you leaned into seasoned believers during a difficult storm in your life, I mean, the the rain's coming down, the water's rising, wind crashing into your house, beating into your house, and you found your way back and you leaned into season. Believe, here's what's going to happen. After the storm passes, I see it happen too many times. You go back to people who are not good voices. You go back to people who want you to build your life on all these other sinking sand foundations. It's just not. Stay put. And the reason you need to stay put is there's another storm coming. You're not done with storms. You're not done with storms. At all. If you cried out to God... During a storm, keep praying long after the storm passes. You're leaning into biblical community. You're leaning in to the Lord. Keep praying. Keep pressing. If you reach for your Bible during a storm to find answers for what you're going through right now and the storm that is gone, keep looking for answers that you'll need later, that you need now. His word is alive and it's active. Press into this. Because there's another storm coming. The only difference between the wise and foolish builders is what they did with what they heard. And today you have heard. And now you have to make a choice. Will you obey? Will you live? Will you practice it? Will you deny it? Will you walk away from it? Will you just debate it and want to change it into something that fits your bias or your worldview or will you say jesus you are mine i receive you i receive your life i receive your words i want to know what you say and what you teach and i want to live it because after he washed feet jesus said this in john thirteen seventeen. now that you know these things you will be blessed if you do them build your life on that and i want us to sing one more time When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for the one right now who is experiencing that great crash, that today they would realize it's not the issue uh, of the storm, it's the issue of the foundation And that today they would go to work on building a foundation, learning your word, putting into practice the teachings and making it their life. They quit running from you because they're running from one crash to another. That today would be the day that their life is built upon the solid rock of Christ Jesus. For the one that's just come out of a storm and maybe they're leveling off emotionally and feeling like getting back to a a new way of life, that they wouldn't discredit this because of what they're feeling, but that they would still see the need for their foundation and the work on their foundation. I pray for the seasoned believers in here that they'll lean into and help those who are growing in their faith, not make church all about them or what they want or what they need or their preferences, but understand the importance of teaching the next generation and raising up leaders uh, with strong foundations. 
We are grateful uh, for the country that we live in. We're grateful for this day where we get to celebrate with our families, with our friends, uh, the freedom that we have. We don't take it for granted at all. Uh, May this nation, instead of wanting to be a foundation, may this nation turn to Jesus as the foundation. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said.